Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Daryl Dunham is a brand new author, and it's a really interesting book. We'll talk about that this morning. But Daryl, if I understand right, you're actually a lawyer, first and foremost. Uh some of the, the more snobbish in our discipline like to say attorney. <laughs> <laughs> so how does one move from attorney to author? Uh, boy, that's an interesting question. I, uh, I'm at the age, I'm starting to have grandchildren, and I'm in the last quarter of my life, and I thought it might be kind of fun to leave uh, something that uh, when they are of the age uh, that my grandchildren could read and have a little better insight into who their grandfather was. So is this your first book that you've published or have you written others before this? This is the first one. Wow. What was that like to finish a book and, and uh, yeah, be able to call yourself an author now? Well, it was, uh, it was more like a hobby. Hmm. Uh, it took me about five years to write it, but uh, it was very scattered. I might concentrate on it two or three days, and then uh, when it was semi-finished, I would have friends that would uh, look over it. And one of the things I found, it's, it's very difficult to find people who will write your book and will get, read your book that will give you candid criticism. Ah, uh, is everybody kind of like, oh, it's great, great, good yeah. job, and you can't get anything helpful out of them then, right? That's correct, but I was blessed by two or three people that were willing to do that, and it really helped immensely. That's kind of a great point for life, right? Like, you know, we kind of need to be that way with our friends, speak truth and love and help them and and share things that could help them improve. No question about it. I've been blessed with having people like that in my life, particularly my wife. She's she is my greatest fan, but also my harshest critic. <laughs> that uh, that sounds very familiar to me, sir. <laughs> Aren't wives like that great, though? <laughs> yeah. Over the years, we developed a rule that I think uh, would uh, I recommend to everybody. Criticism uh, should be welcome, but it should always be constructive rather than destructive. Ah, exactly right, and always focused on building somebody up then instead of tearing them down, basically. Yes, and as long as you've got truly constructive criticism, people that are willing to do that for you, um, it's a great blessing. So tell us a little bit about the book. The book is called The Yoke, and uh, it's a novel. Where did the inspiration come from for this book, and what's it all about? Well... I tell people my life history is that I, in a, in a short, in 30 seconds, is that I was married for five years. I, be, I was divorced for a year. During that year of divorce, I uh, became a Christian, and then I wound up remarrying the same woman. And, um, that, of course, the second marriage survived and thrived. Um, but ever since I was a young man and went through that, I've been very interested in uh, the family, marriage relationships, and obviously I've concluded that it is uh, an essential uh, creation of all cultures by God. Hmm. And I've been interested in exploring these issues and why uh, marriages are successful, what really mean, what uh, is the reason for that. And why do so many fail? 
I mean, this was an opportunity for me to kind of share my my thoughts through fictional characters. Um, f- first of all, let's rewind a bit. Then you got divorced and remarried your wife. Um, what did you learn during that that one year period of divorce about love and uh, yeah, God's what God wants for a marriage? I guess. Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, I once, uh, not too long ago, gave a message in my church about faith and used the scripture about the mustard seed. And um, when we got married the second time, there was still a lot of issues that had to be resolved. Um, We really didn't really like one another that much, but (laughs) the second marriage was founded on, um, on belief and um, and truly a uh, an understanding of biblical love, agape, agape. Still don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Our first marriage was there was a lot of arrows, a lot of fire in the uh, you know in the furnace, but uh, there wasn't uh, much in terms of selflessness by either of us, and so it was inevitable that that was going to fail. But that year that I was divorced uh, was, I didn't really realize it at the time, uh, the Lord actually gave me mononucleosis, and, and I had to sit and lay in bed and think, and and it was the Holy Spirit that was really dealing with me at the time. I didn't even know what it was. I knew there was something that was forcing me to think. And, huh come to a conclusion what kind of a person I wanted to be in my life. And um, that was uh, a very difficult time, but the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, So how much does your own personal testimony then kind of weave in and out throughout the book? Uh, A lot of people that read the book, they want me to confess that I'm Barnabas. (laughs) I am am not. Uh, Barnabas was dealt, dealt a much more difficult uh, childhood than I was and made uh, much better decisions. But I will say this, that I didn't come to the Lord until I was that year that I was divorced. And uh, a lot of the arguments that uh, Barnabas is making for his lack of belief are the same arguments that I made. Uh, I, uh, I could do a pretty convincing job uh, explaining, you know, his doubt and his lack of faith, because I still remember those days pretty vividly, and so I injected a lot of that into the book. Um, Did you, is that kind of how you were pre-faith, is maybe argumentative against uh, Christianity and faith? As an attorney, you're probably pretty well-versed in pointing out arguments and and standing pretty solid in those arguments, I would think. (laughs) I remember one day I was sitting on the steps of the law school and two um, undergraduate young ladies from, I think they were inner varsity people, came and witnessed uh, to me. And I uh, I was pretty cruel to them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was basically taking the argument of, you know, if you had worshiping a God that could send his creation to hell, then your God doesn't deserve to be worshipped. Um, and I would tell people, 
back in those days, as uh, Barnabas does in the book, I would rather live uh, in misery and live in truth than live uh, uh, a fiction, uh, you know, a fantasy and, you know, a false joy that's based on, uh, you know, false uh, a lie. Mm. And Barnabas makes those same arguments. Yeah, and I see pretty common arguments now is especially that one of, well, if your God created everybody and could send them to hell, then what kind of God is that, right? What's your answer to that argument now, then? Um, what I say is this. Uh, I uh, have a uh, participate in an organization that we go to India and uh, train pastors. And uh, what I say is something, uh, you know, like this. They have arranged marriages in India, and I ask uh, the, uh, the pastors or whoever I'm talking to, would you be willing to uh, arrange a marriage for your daughter to a boy that doesn't love your daughter, doesn't even believe in God, uh, and you don't think would make her happy? Would you be willing to do that? And they all say, no, of course not. Well, then, what about um, forcing um, somebody that doesn't believe, doesn't respect, um, has no uh, honor for God, and forcing God to take that person into, you know, a relationship? Mm -hmm. That's just far worse. Um and the older I get, the more I am convinced that people that reject, are that's a choice that they're making. Some of them is just totally volitional. They know the choice, but a lot of them are just indifferent. They don't care. It's a recklessness that, um, that uh, we shouldn't honor. But ultimately, you know, it's God that's making these decisions. We just have to believe that his grace is infinite, his love is infinite, his uh, justice is infinite. And whatever decisions he's making are, you know, uh, perfect. What has uh, the response been like from people that have read the book, besides those friends that were unwilling to help with criticism and critique? Uh, what's it been like since the book's been out, people have been reading it? monitor Amazon, you'll see that uh, the overwhelming majority of the uh, uh, reviews, uh, you know, readers, have been uh, five stars. Most of these people, I don't even know who they are. Um, so that's been very rewarding. I've had people call me up and point out certain aspects of the book that... Ah that have been, they felt enriched by, and so that's what's caused me to stay with it. Um, I would say next, uh, you know, in terms of things that I truly feel honored that the, my, the Lord made me part of is my family, uh, second is the Indian missionary work, and the third is probably, uh, you know, writing this book, it does seem to be making a positive impact. Isn't that cool how it came later in life, right? And, uh, yeah, there's just always something new around the corner for us with God that we might not know about. <laughs> uh, of course. 
Uh, tell us quickly about the the ministry that you have. You mentioned it. It's in India training pastors. What's the name of it, and why did you decide to start that ministry? The name is Margam, M-A-R-G-H-A-M. It, in the Telugu language, it means the way. Hmm. Uh, I have five uh, children, and two of them were adopted from the nation of India. And uh, I went over and picked one of them up and fell in love with the country and try and get back there as often as I possibly can and made, you know, many dear friends. And um, it's just uh, a joy to go. And the Holy Spirit, I think, in uh, certain parts of India is more active than I think probably any other place in the world. And it's just a joy to witness it and be a part of it. Uh, so five years it took you to write the book, sir. Are you started on your next one, or are you thinking one book is good enough? I want to see uh, how this goes. I I, I would like to uh, spend uh, you know another several months, uh, you know, getting the word out about this book, and then we'll see. Uh, we'll make a decision then. I will probably write another book, uh, but uh, that. I know I've got some ideas, but let's just see how this goes. That sounds pretty smart. Uh, what about people that are listening like, oh, he took five years to do it. Maybe I could do it too. They've been wanting to write a book, but they don't know what to do. Any advice for people out there? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, one, of course, you need to have a support group that will be honest with you. Some of the early yeah. drafts of my book were just, uh, looking back on it, reading some of it, just... I don't want to say trash, but it was pretty <laughs> close to that. And I thought it was pretty good at the time. So. Yeah. So you need that. Uh, you need to write about something that uh, you know, hmm. uh, that you have an understanding. Now, it doesn't have to be a discipline or something, but maybe there's some events or something that you think people might want to uh, read about uh, that you know intimately. It's got to be something, uh, the subject matter is something that you need to be comfortable with, that you have an understanding about. Uh, I think it's very important for you to kind of, you know, learn to recognize your own voice, your own style. I mean, we pick up the, uh, the Gospel of Luke and we compare that with the Gospel of Matthew and John, and it's just obvious that those are three different personalities. Now, those are that's the Word of God, but he's using the personalities of the believer, the person, and, and they just have a distinctive style. Well, yeah. Every person has their distinctive style. They need to know their voice. Now, also, surprisingly, I've found uh, that, particularly amongst my fellow authors, some of them... Uh, can be discouraging, and I kind of suspect that maybe one of the reasons is that they don't want the competition. I hate to say that. So you need to also understand when the criticism is really heartfelt and sincere and based on truth and how uh, some of the criticism maybe might have other motives or agenda. Mm. You've got to be careful about that. And uh, if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Um, I tell people that uh, writing a fiction is the closest thing to being God that a person can ever 
do on Earth. You get to create characters. You get to put them into <laughs> in situations. You can uh, put words in their mouth, make choices for them, um, and the like, which is really a lot of fun. But also, if you uh, if you get to know your character, you quickly realize that there's certain things that your character just won't do. Oh, that's really interesting. Even though you're the author, the character's saying, no, I don't do that. <laughs> well, it's just completely inconsistent with who that person is. Yeah. You can't have them do that. And uh, the example I like to give, I think is in John 8, the woman of uh, caught in adultery. Uh, some of the uh, versions say, well, we're just not sure whether this is an actual scriptural event or not. It's not in the text of some of the all of the versions. Mm-hmm. To me, it just makes no difference because what the um, the decisions the, that um, that Jesus made there is just totally in character for him. If it didn't happen, uh, it's uh, if that's something that would have happened if those if those events had actually occurred. Um, and that's uh, when your character takes on that kind of integrity in life um it is a lot of fun um and i've had people uh tell me about things that occurred in the book that uh they felt was uh, very uh, much in character for that particular character and i hadn't even thought of it huh. that's you know, interesting they take on their a life of their own yeah that's so neat uh, so the book's called The Yoke. We could get it on Amazon, of course. Anywhere else that we can pick it up or maybe um, a website that you have we should be looking at? Uh, you know, I've been told I need to get a website. Uh, the publisher is Christian Pace Publishing. But any of the, you know, uh, box stores, I don't know what you have up there in, in Canada. Yeah, Chapters and Barnes and & Noble and that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you can go in there. And I'm probably, it's, an, it's still kind of a new book. It's probably not in stock, but... You can have it ordered, uh, and there's of course a Kindle version, and which is much cheaper. I actually think they're charging too much for the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell them that they need to lower the price because we might be pricing ourselves out of the market. Well, people always love a good deal, Daryl. Thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your own life story of redemption as well as the story of redemption in your book, The Yoke. We'll talk to you again on Connections.